Hello, everyone. This is Fort Wayne Mayor Tom Henry, and you're listening to the Mayor Tom Henry Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. This is episode number 79, recorded on Tuesday, May 17th, 2022, from Citizen Square in downtown Fort Wayne. For today's discussion, I'm happy to welcome Steve Hoffman to the program. Steve serves as the president and CEO of Brightpoint. Located in downtown Fort Wayne, Brightpoint has impacted the lives of countless individuals in our community, and I'm grateful that Steve is here to talk about his organization. Steve, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Mayor. Steve, obviously for a number of people who, are, who work with you on a regular basis, we all know who you are and what you do, but certainly there are listeners out there who aren't familiar with Brightpoint. Can you tell us what Brightpoint is and what kinds of things do you provide? Yeah, um, happy to, Mayor. Um, Brightpoint's a, a pretty large nonprofit human service organization. We serve 15 counties in Northeast Indiana. We're headquartered in in Fort Wayne, and certainly Allen County is is a big territory for us, but we provide services over towards South Bend, down as far as Marion, so we're kind of a an L, a fat L in the northeast <laughs> part of the, of the state. Um, our mission is to help communities, families, and individuals remove the causes and conditions of poverty, and what we do is, is really structured around that mission. Um, when we think of the, the latter part of the mission, communities, families and individuals we do we try to do work around community development um, some economic development a lot of advocacy so things like affordable housing um, lending access to capital we consider that community development activity Um, families uh, we provide a lot of assistance uh, to families of various types trying to help them become self-sufficient so a lot of employment supports Mm -hmm. child care assistance utility assistance, housing um, housing assistance, as well as uh, things like helping people get um, health insurance and things like that. And then the individual category is mostly kids for us. Uh, we, we are very dedicated to helping children become healthy adults and self-sufficient adults. And we focus on two areas there, um, children zero to five, so early childhood education is a big, big part for us because if kids fall behind by age six, they're far more likely to live in poverty uh, when they become adults. Um, so Head Start's a major program for us, early Head Start. And then youth, um, you know, particularly juniors and seniors, we feel like they're making decisions that will impact their self-sufficiency as adults. So we're really working with um, in 14 area high schools to help kids graduate from college or from high school, and then prepare for the next step, whether that's college, um, post secondary training, or certifications of that kind. Well, how long has Bright Point been around? Since 1965, uh, we were formed out of the War on Poverty, uh-huh. um, Lyndon Johnson's War on Poverty. Uh, so we've been around for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Now, were you always known as Bright Point? No, we were, we've had a few names through our history. When we were founded, we were known as the Allen County Economic Opportunity Council. Um, and so at that time, we just served Allen County. Um, and when the Community Action Network started, it started that way. It was sort of in the big counties around the country. So Marion County would have had one. 
1983, the, the effort was to spread it to every county in the nation. So we grew to six counties at that point. We became CANI, mm-hmm. or Community Action of Northeast Indiana. Um, 2015, um, our constituents, people told us, we don't really know what CANI is. <laughs> we don't know how to pronounce it. We would hear CANI, CANI. Uh-huh. We're like, all right, let's, we'll change our name, and, and the board changed it to Bright Point. Bright Point. So, yeah. And an appropriate name, that's for sure. <laughs> now, you are a community action agency. Can you tell the listeners what that is? Yeah, well, you, you, you sort of transitioned to that already. I mean, we're so community action again formed in '65. Um, the network covers the entire nation, so every county and parish in the country has a community action agency that serves it okay. and has the mission of fighting poverty. What's really cool about that, in my view, is we're, we're while there's a nationwide network, we're very decentralized and completely locally controlled. So we have a local board made up of citizens um, throughout Northeast Indiana, and the board is very structured as well. At least a third of our board has to be low-income people or their democratically elected mm. representatives. Um, a third of their board is elected officials or their appointees, and you've had an appointee mm-hmm. in the past. So um, we have a very diverse board, representative of all constituencies, and the purpose is we want to create local solutions to poverty um, directed by local people who live here and study the issue. So that's that makes us pretty unique from other organizations like United Way that mm-hmm. has a national network, but... You know, they have some oversight from national organizations. Is, is the federal government, though, is that, is that your main funding source? It, it is about 80%. Um, and every community action agency looks a little different. They have this similar mission. But because we react to local needs um, and we have local boards, they look a little different. Um, some community action agencies may be very heavily federally funded. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're at about $30 million a year, and about 80% of that's from federal sources. And the other comes from, from philanthropic organizations yep. and individuals. And Foundations, so donors, mm-hmm. yeah. um, in-kind support, um, sometimes state funding, you know, wherever we can, wherever we can get it. You're certainly a, a full-service agency. You know, some some social service agencies deal only with adoption or deal only with housing. But it appears that you try to cover, I don't want to say the whole gamut, but certainly uh, a, a number of need areas. Because of that, I can't help but reflect on the past couple of years, uh, uh, the pandemic. Uh, and we have heard over and over again, the effect that it's had on individuals from mental health problems, you know, as far as depression and the like, to loss of employment, <coughs> excuse me, loss of housing, uh, utility bills, I can go on and on. My assumption is your organization uh, had a ton of inquiries as yeah. to uh, pleas for help. Yep. What happened during that period? Well, like everybody, we were impacted significantly, and it was, uh, I've been at Bright Point for 23 years now, and I've never seen a period um, like this, so it was very unique. Um, 
very much an increase in demand and as probably one would expect a different kind of demand from people that maybe we you know we've never really heard from before so the pandemic affected new groups of people um, that haven't needed assistance in the past um, we were pretty overwhelmed by the the asking for support while at the same time dealing with the pandemic ourselves and i think um that's something maybe we don't talk enough about in the human service sector is you know we had quarantines and positive cases as well mm -hmm. and had to shut down and we lost um I've, we lost over 200 weeks of employment time from quarantines so we're trying to do more with less and so it's been a a tough period but i'm super proud of what we've been able to do um, we shifted very early on. I mean, our primary focus is on self-sufficiency. Mm -hmm. We want to help people primarily with the causes of poverty. We work on the conditions because you have to address those before sure. you can get to the causes. We definitely made a shift, not a complete shift, but we knew in the pandemic the conditions of poverty are the priority. We're in an emergency situation. Um, people maybe losing employment um, but they can't get back to work if they can't pay the rent so we definitely shifted toward let's focus on the emergency um, and we've put out over 15 million in the last two years um, thousands of households primarily with rental assistance utility assistance um, as well as other areas so I'm, I'm I've never been prouder of my staff I'm, I'm proud of them every day but what we've been able to accomplish, I'm really proud well, of. Well, Steve, you mentioned housing, or rental property uh, uh, needs. Uh, in Fort Wayne, uh, probably one of the biggest challenges we have now is no longer employment. We, we seem to have a, a, a sufficient amount of job openings that if you really want to, to work, you can find a job. But one area that we still struggle with is affordable housing. Mm -hmm. uh, granted, there are some apartment complexes that have been built downtown utilizing some federal money, and as a result, they have a certain percentage of those apartments that are supposed to be classified as affordable apartments, yep. affordable housing. But that just kind of scratches the surface. Uh, we, our city is growing. Uh, it has over the past several years, and we continue to get refugees in from other countries uh, and immigrants, which, again, we've always had our welcome mat uh, out uh, for people to come in to call Fort Wayne their home, which I think has been a real blessing over the years. But they have to have a place to live. Uh, is that one of your biggest challenges as well? It is, and I would say it's pretty top of mind for us right now, and over you know, again, over my history at, at Bright Point, we've had, there, there's always many priorities that we have and many things we're working on. Um, I'd say at different points in time, you know, child care was the top issue. It still is a major issue. But um, affordable housing has not necessarily been at the top. I think it is now. Um, I think we have a bit of a, an affordable housing. I don't know if I call it a crisis, but it's getting there. Mm -hmm. um, we have some programs that help people pay for housing. Um, in a lot of cases, we can't find the housing. Mm -hmm. So we have the assistance, but can't use it. And I don't ever remember 
a program. I've had that problem. I need more. I need more of the assistance money. So we have a we have a very big need for affordable housing, um, and I think that's that's going to take all of us. I mean, it can't just be the mayor's initiative or one social service agency. We all have to to band together to create more affordable housing. Mm-hmm. Um, we tried to do some of that. We're working on a project um, in South, well, the Waynedale sort of area out mm-hmm. by the neighbor or the airport. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll be 64 units, but you know that's a drop in the bucket. And I think making sure as many of those kinds of things happen, and that we're we're partnering on those efforts. Um, letting people know, especially the neighborhoods, that affordable housing doesn't mean bad housing either. It's really high quality housing, where you know most any of us would live. Mm-hmm. So, sort of um, reducing the stereotypes yeah. about what affordable housing is as well. Um, there's a lot of things we need to do um, to to build that stock back up, but I think that's yeah, a major I, I, issue. I, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said there's a stigma. Mm-hmm. that's associated with affordable housing that if you're moving into affordable housing then something must be wrong with you uh, yeah, uh, yeah. E- either you're not working because you don't want to work uh, therefore you need assistance or some other kind of conditions that uh, make you different and that's not the case at all no. uh, and I know you and I could reflect on dozens of cases where uh, you know, people are put into a position through no fault of their own that at least temporarily they need they mm-hmm. need uh, some assistance. So it's unfortunate yeah. that that's yeah. in many people's eyes uh, that's the case, and it's uh, uh, it's not. And we have a responsibility morally, ethically, I think, to yeah. to to help these people with a with a, a hand up. Well, on affordable housing is not free housing no, you know, no, no, or else we'd right. say it was free housing it's affordable right. housing people people do work they have to work to be able to pay the rents uh-huh. it's really just trying to keep the rents reasonable yeah. for the for their income and i think um what we've definitely seen is you know uh, the fair market rents and such have gone up mm-hmm. much more significantly much faster than wage increases so now, it's it, if I were in a situation like that, is it just apartments or are there single family dwellings out there too? Both. And it depends on, um, you know, at least for us, we have a mix of those things. So now our single family homes that we have, and we have some in Fort Wayne and we have some in in, uh, Columbia city, they're full as you would, (laughs) as you would imagine. So again, it's more demand than the stock that we have. Um, but we have we have senior apartments. We have other types of in in Angola, and I know you you're the city of Fort Wayne. You don't care about Angola. Oh yes, I do. I know you do. I know. I'm just teasing you. Mayor Hickman. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, there we we built a what we call an enterprise point. It's a combination of housing and an enterprise center where entrepreneurs and artists can live and work at the same time. So we have different types of of housing. That we work on. You work with organizations like Habitat. Yeah, well, they're certainly a partner. Um, I would say, you know, when you think about Habitat or Vincent Village, mm-hmm. the other agencies that do affordable housing, we're we're mostly working in parallel to each other. Okay. There's not 
like in the projects we work on, there's one role for a nonprofit. Right, so, right. so we're not going to work often with really directly with Habitat, uh-huh. but we do work closely with developers and finance, yeah, you know, okay. banks yeah. and so forth. Yeah. Steve, you're also the president of the Alliance for Human oh, Services, yeah. uh, an organization I know that uh, uh, you're very active with. Uh, what can you tell us about the Alliance? Well, uh, thanks for asking that. Um, the Alliance for Human Services, we're, we're a little bit of a newer uh, membership organization, but we have 50 members of local human service organizations. And um, I, I think of it as we have three different sort of efforts we're trying to do, and that's increase human service influence, capacity, and impact. That's basically how I think of it. Um, influence we need to have more of a voice in public policy and decisions that are made at a broad level, um, whether that's at the state level, federal, local. Um, and that's that's not the state, federal, local's fault. It's us. We're, we're not active enough. So we're trying to raise that. Um, we want to help all of our members increase their capacities, um, and that could include back office support or mm-hmm. helping with, um, you know, um, member benefits and things like that. And then collaboration, um, trying to work closer together, build um, relationships and, and initiatives where we have common interest. Um, one area, for instance, is transportation, that while we have lots of different types of human service organizations, all of our clients are affected by transportation. So, and, and there's not a lot of assistance out there for mm-hmm. that. So how can we, as a group, try to impact that? Right. So that's what we're trying to do with, with the Alliance. And it's, it's we're new, but we're, we're growing and we're building and we're gonna be mighty eventually, I think, so. Now, having had some experience in the social service agency arena, uh, it really is uh, refreshing to see the cooperation, coordination uh, among all these agencies. Uh, years ago, there was this feeling of autonomy that you couldn't share with one another. Uh, but all that has changed, and uh, uh, it's, it's really nice to, to see this, this effort uh, that I know you're leading as president of the organization, uh, to see them all working together in a coordinated effort. If somebody wanted to know more about BrightPoint, uh, how could they get more information? I think the easiest way is go to our website, but they're also welcome to come in if they want. But um, our website's mybrightpoint.org. We have a pretty robust website with lots of information. Our our applications are on there and so forth. Um, but our offices are open and people can come by. Uh, they can call, too. We, we get a lot of calls. We're... We get as much volume as two on one does, so we struggle with with busy signals. But everybody's welcome to call as well. And you're located where? Our main office is um, downtown at twenty two 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 seven East Washington Boulevard, which is uh, the old New Sentinel building. Oh, so fantastic. Well, with that, Steve, thank you so much. Uh, it's really been again refreshing to hear what's going on with your efforts uh, to make us a little bit better community. Thank you much, Mayor. And thank you, too, listeners, for tuning in today. It's another great day in the city of Fort Wayne, so let's keep our momentum going. This is Mayor Tom Henry, and we'll see you again soon.